Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we are in our study through the book of Mark, specifically in chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. This is Mark's first account of Jesus' encounter with something you and I don't typically face on a daily basis, demons. Now, we know from Scripture that a demon is an angel created by God who rebelled against God by joining Satan's rebellion. We know that approximately one-third of the angels originally created chose this route and that their destiny is final judgment and the lake of fire. Now, we don't encounter them in visible ways every day and see their direct influence through possession as commonly as it was encountered in Jesus' day, but they are no less real. They just work in different, more subtle ways in our lives. The people at Jesus' time were already amazed at the authority that Jesus exhibited when he taught. But one of the testimonies to Jesus' claim to be the Son of God, speaking with divine authority, was his impact on demons when he encountered them. Pastor Jim will help us understand the passage and its implications all week. Here is today's portion of the sermon entitled, Amazed or Terrified? Now, Try to picture this. Just then, there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. That means this happened immediately when Jesus taught. Probably finished his last words and this demon starts shouting. It happened right there in the synagogue. And this man has what is called an unclean spirit. It's one of the terms for a demon. A demon is a, a fallen angel, one who followed Satan in his rebellion. The demons spoke through the vocal cords of the man in whom he lived, and that's always the way they do it. The demon cried out. Another strong word, it means he shrieked or, or screamed. It, it wasn't just raising his voice like saying, uh, oh, oh, hey, Bob, before you go, oh, Bob, Bob. It, it wasn't just raising your voice like that. It was screaming this out. To, it was terror and fear that motivated this demon to just blurt this out. And notice this man was in their synagogue. That's significant too. You see, demon possession is always around. But you almost never see it because it's almost always hidden. Why? Because it is Satan's strategy. False teachers who bring corrupting lies are what 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 4 says, they are disguising themselves as angels of light. Demons don't go around wearing demon costumes. They go around inhabiting nice, clean-cut, well-spoken, um, friendly people. Because they, they creep in among you unnoticed. So no demon would normally blow its cover in a synagogue or in a church. 
But this shows the effect that Jesus has on demons. It actually thwarts the purpose of Satan for demons to manifest themselves in a synagogue or a church or even in an idol temple because the strategy is disguise and deception. Now the demons know their eternal fate, but they don't know the timing. Neither do we. No man knows the day or the hour. So every time they encounter Jesus, they freak out. They want to know, have you come to destroy us? They know Jesus can send them to the lake of fire. They know He eventually will. They know that even before then, Jesus can send them, if He wants to, to a kind of a spiritual prison that's called in the New Testament, the abyss. These demons know that some of their colleagues are imprisoned there now, and they will be released only briefly during the tribulation, Revelation chapter 9. And they know that Others of their colleagues did something that got them imprisoned, never to be released except momentarily when they will be transferred to the lake of fire in Revelation chapter 20. So that's why demons are always saying, have you come to torment us? Have you come to judge us? Have you come to destroy us? Remember when the bunch of them, and I think we'll get to this in Mark 2, the bunch of them um, begged to be sent into a herd of pigs? rather than being sent to the abyss. And for some reason he didn't choose to explain to us, Jesus accommodated them. And yes, that's where deviled ham was invented. (laughs) They're scared of him. Rightly so. And would you notice the reason they're afraid is that they have no doubt whatsoever about who he is. Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy One of God. They are unclean. They are wicked. But would you notice also, they're totally under the authority of Jesus. No demon, including Satan, can ever do anything apart from God allowing it to happen. And when Jesus tells the demon, be quiet and come out of him, the demon obeys. Now, because these demons are unclean, because they are desperately wicked, mean, cruel, and twisted in their unspeakable desire for evil, he does throw the man into convulsions and makes him shriek one more time, but he came out of him. Jesus commanded the demon to be, to be quiet for a reason. The demon identified Jesus correctly. Jesus of Nazareth I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus always rejected publicity from the agents of Satan. You know, he he didn't call together a choir of demons to sing about who he really was, even though they knew. And I think there's a reason even behind that. You see, later on, the Jewish religious leaders are going to reject Jesus and accuse him of, you know where I'm going, right? Matthew 12. Casting out demons only by Beelzebul, the ruler of demons. And so Jesus, whenever a demon starts talking about him, he shuts up the demon. He doesn't want to give any credence to their idea that he is in league with Satan. So he shuts him up. Paul did the same thing, by the way, in Acts chapter 16 when it happened to him during his ministry. You can read about that. Well, what a stark contrast indeed. People are amazed, shocked. The demons are terrified. And then again, the people are amazed. Look at verses 27 and 28. 
they were all amazed, so that they debated among themselves, saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority. Now, the implication is they were getting the old stuff and it didn't have any authority, right? It was just a bunch of opinions. He commands even the unclean spirits, they said, and they obey him. Immediately, the news about him spread everywhere into all the surrounding district of Galilee. And we'll be picking it up and seeing part of that next time. This time, Mark uses the more normal word for amazed. They were blown away. They were astonished at the contrast between Jesus and the Pharisees, the scribes, and the rabbis. They just they didn't have a category for him. They, it says they debated among themselves. Now, they didn't sit down and have a formal debate, uh, an organized debate, but this was the buzz. This was the chatter. This was all they could talk about. And they were trying to figure it out because it, it, it was hard to get all the fog of all the nonsense and the, and, the, and the moralistic stuff that they'd been taught and get that swept away. They, what they'd grown up in and had drifted so far from the truth that they, they just were trying to sort it out. But they were amazed. And at this point, the amazement was mainly manifested in an uncontrollable excitement over Jesus. Yeah, they were being confronted with the true gospel instead of the moralistic do-good works righteousness of the, of the Pharisees. But it was a lot to handle. They wanted to hear more. They wanted to bring more people to hear. They wanted to talk about it. They were compelled to talk about it and, 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 and think about it. Now, it's interesting that the times that Jesus spent in and around Galilee include the vast majority of the miracles and most of the teaching that you have recorded from his lips in the Gospels. Other than at the very end of his life, the Olivet Discourse in those last few days, <coughs> that last week in the temple. But this is the front end of what is called the Great Galilean Ministry. He did a lot there. They were so hostile to him down in Jerusalem, it was a good thing to go to redneck country, be out where the, where the real people were. Now in time, Jesus' work and teaching in Galilee was going to capture the attention oh, and the ire of the Pharisees and the Sadducees down in Jerusalem. They would eventually send representatives up to Galilee to shut him up. They wanted to confront him and discredit him and silence him. And ooh, that didn't go so well. When they couldn't shut him up, then they went back home and started plotting his murder. Worked on it for over a year. And we're going to see how that unfolds as we go on in Mark. But let me ask you, how do you compare to these two reactions? You really ought to be having both of them? First of all, I mean, are you amazed by Jesus? Does it blow you away to know what He did and what He taught and what He calls you to? And are you terrified at the thought of eternal damnation? You should be amazed by Jesus and you should be terrified at the fact 
that you have sown up an ironclad reservation for the lake of fire. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.